Dead men tell no tales. Fifteen men loaded in man's chest. Yo ho ho and a bottle of rum. Drink and the devil had done for the rest. Yo ho ho and a bottle of rum. You best start believing in ghost stories. You're in one. There are no survivors. The ship with black sails that's crewed by the damned. Welcome aboard the Black Pearl. Welcome to the Black Pearl Show, Pirates of the Caribbean podcast where we analyze, scrutinize, and plunder, and plunder how dare you, the Pirates of the Caribbean films, and yes, the expanded universe, we dabble in history, stress, the euphemisms, and strive to have a hell of a good swashbuckler time each and every week. It's a show where we break down each and every film in the Pirates of the Caribbean franchise two blimey minutes at a time. It's, like I said last time, a little escape to a time where disease really did run rampant and dental hygiene was... Blasphemy. I'm Scott Artis from ScottArtis.com. Am I? And I am Heather Artis from BlackPearlShow.com. Again, you forgot your name and you're asking like some kind of existential question. Who am I? Am I Heather Artis? Yes, I am. (laughs) (laughs) Too much room. Apparently, or those couple of weeks off between seasons, it's like you forgot what this was all about. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Jeez. (laughs) Couple of weeks before season three made its obvious triumphant return, it's like a the the sweet stench of an 18th century brethren court. That's how I kind of perceive this. I mean, we did receive a note all the way from Melbourne, Australia, so I thought I'd share it. Woo woo, Melbourne! Time. I don't know if that's quite the uh, I don't know quite the whatever for for Melbourne. That's what you came up with? Okay, well, it's a hurrah for that. That's fine, I guess. Hurrah's more of the time of pirates. Maybe, yeah. There we go. That's what I was trying to come up with. Anyways, Roger says, Ahoy there, Scott and Heather. I just wanted to write and say how much I am enjoying your Black Pearl Minute podcast. I have only just discovered it and already love the way you guys deliver each episode and the context and detail you both bring. Your enthusiasm and rapport is fantastic and comes across as really natural, warm, and full of energy and love for the movies. I absolutely love the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. As a huge Keith Richards fan and a huge fan of Pirates, it was so cool to see Johnny Depp channeling his inner Keith as he set sail on his swashbuckling adventures. I thought I would send you links to two of my songs that relate to Pirates, Star-Crossed Pirate Blood, and Wayfarer's Waltz. Hope you enjoy. Keep up the fantastic work, Scott and Heather. Here in Melbourne, we are having cold, dark winter nights. Perfect for listening to your brilliant podcast with a glass of pirate rum. All the best and keep rocking. Right now. That was from Roger. Right right now, I could use a cold, dark winter night. (laughs) And some rum. And some rum. So those are multiple things that we could use right now. Yes. And of course, he said, uh, brilliant podcast. So I'm assuming... And this is just He's an talking assumption. About me. Walk the plank. <laughs> you can't just keep jumping in. You're stealing my thunder here. Literally. I think we all know out there He's talking who, about who me. he's talking about. Yeah. But thanks so much for the kind words, Roger. And so glad you're enjoying the show. I mean, it's always great to hear from listeners and fellow Pirates of the Caribbean enthusiasts out there. 
But Rogers, he's just no ordinary scalawag, okay? As his email said, he sent along a couple of incredible music pieces that he's written and sung and all that kind of stuff. And this is a must-share with everyone out there, I thought. So here we go with a clip. As he said, it is Star-Crossed Pirate Blood. You were smoking in mahogany Bars and sawdust all flutter I was ripped on Rampart Street this way splashed in the gutter You asked me why The death's hit flag The blunderbuss I always knew my destiny To spill this crimson Star-crossed pirate blood for you If the stars could fall Out of the sky Rain on down like flying Yeah, I always love me a good shanty, kind of a, a just a pirate song. It's always just, I, and I look for this stuff, so I'm so glad he brought this to our attention and shared it with us. It's really great. Everyone can find the link to Starcross Pirate Blood in the show notes. I've also shared kind of it in the Cursed Listeners Crew Facebook group, and then I, I think I'll post it on the main Facebook page as well. But, and that's at, uh, what, Facebook, Black Pearl Show, it's the Pirates of the Caribbean Minute. Actually, I think that's what it's, Facebook com slash Pirates of the Caribbean Minute. Something to that effect. I'm really liking all this uh, music people are submitting. I know. There's like it's some awesome. talented freaking people out there. Yeah. Meanwhile, we're here just twiddling our thumbs. Trying well, to at least take one credit, of us is twiddling our thumbs. Trying to take credit for their music on our show. <laughs> <laughs> like, no, no, this is ours. Yeah, we brought this to you. No, really. Roger, you're awesome. Thanks for sharing. Thanks for listening. And as I said last time, I'll kind of try and do more of this of sharing listener stuff and, and things that, that come up more than we've done in the past, but appreciate all of it. And like I said, I'll share it in the Facebook group that we have, the Cursed Listeners Crew, the Facebook page, and then in the show notes and all that kind of fun stuff. You can also find him on SoundCloud. I think it was a Rogers Pirate Piano. There you go. Awesome. So look it up. But what could we possibly do to complement great pirate music? I really don't know. That's sad because, yeah, <laughs> it's Pirate Fact of the Week. Fact. Bears eat beets. Bears beets. Captain Jack Sparrow, pirate so brave on the seven seas. So this week I'm bringing you a legend. Hey, I'm already here. You didn't even need to bring me. No, no, I'm no, a not legend you. Of my own not mind. you. Blackbeard. Blackbeard has a legend out there. I shaved off my scruff, we'll call it, that I've been Whatever. growing for weeks, Shh. months. Legend says that when Blackbeard came to port and was looking for a crew, that the people would go around singing four and twenty blackbirds baked in a pie. An old uh, nursery rhyme kind of thing. Exactly. Yeah. Unfortunately, this is not true. Well, that's a bummer because that would have been sweet. Right? <laughs> It'd be awesome, actually, right? Yeah. I could see why that could catch on because who wouldn't want to attribute a nursery rhyme to summoning pirates to come join you right? recruiting pirates yeah i mean it was said that the whole town would go around singing the whole town the, the whole town no wonder no one came because they were Everybody. all recruited already formed 20 blackbirds and then they knew that blackbeard was coming to huh. recruit that's cool yeah 
But no, it's not true. That's a bummer. Yeah. But Ted and Terry actually thought it was pretty cool also. And that's how they came up with our song in the beginning of this movie, Hoist the Colors. Hoist the Colors. Yeah. Terry Rossio and Ted Elliott are the writers, the screenwriters, and all that kind of fun stuff for new listeners. I guess we should mention that every once in a while. So they thought it was a fun idea to have the town folk singing. And so they came up with Hoist the Colors. For the kind of summoning the recruiting song thing. Okay. Yeah, Yeah, I like that. That's a good pirate fact. It's almost like a pirate legend fact. It's a it's on the Snopes website. Yeah, that's I think they have a whole bunch of things about American legends. They have a fake true American legend section. It's under there. Yeah. I like it. Yeah, I thought so too. I just wish it was true. I know, it'd be much better if it was true. Yeah, it would be much better. Yeah. But, you know, maybe we can perpetuate the myth. (laughs) Everything we just said was true. It's like the opposite of Luke Skywalker right there. There you go. And I do have one more thing before I what? go What? Two pirate facts? No. Well, kind no, kind of. I don't know. So last week, I made a mistake. Oh, so you're going to do that. You're not even going to let me talk about that. No, because you'll just make me look worse. Than I'm not going to make you look worse. Yeah. I was going to bring it up, but go ahead. What? So I have a correction from the last previous episode. I said the person reading the amended statutes... Was Theodore Groves. Yeah, it's, Lieutenant Theodore Groves. Yeah, it actually wasn't. I was misled by IMDB. Those bastards. Yeah, and it's actually the crier. Poor crier. That read it. <laughs> it's like the town crier. Yes. I have a little bit more that I'll expand on okay. with that, but uh, is we don't want to jump into there because that's kind of the show thing. we got to actually get the show a-rockin', as Roger said, you know, kind of keep it rockin'. And so that can only mean one thing besides Pirate Fact of the Week. So I guess it could only mean two things if we're keeping count then. Because first one, obviously, Pirate Fact of the Week. But now it's Minute 3 begins with the next set of on-the-deck so-called pirate criminals as they summit the gallows and join the waiting executioner and the empty nooses. Minute 4 ends with Lieutenant Theodore Groves, Heather, running up to Beckett as a result of the crooning pirate saying, Lord Beckett, they started to sing. Sir? Camera pans to Beckett as he manages to crack a supervillain smirk. Right? Oh, yeah. He's a supervillain. Oh, yeah. So I'll just leave it there then because we're still not fully immersed in things yet. But it wouldn't be a proper kickoff is really if we didn't have to retract something like or correct something already from the first episode. And like I said, Heather was my solid gold intelligence and she turned out to be kind of a bit of iron pyrite on that kind of fact, which is why she probably tried to jumpstart and get ahead of this whirlwind of berating intelligence on pirate yeah. stuff because she she didn't want me to bring it up. But as she said, the guy reading the stuff is the crier, not Lieutenant Theodore Groves. And But Groves does show up during the pirate singing fiesta in this minute kind of minute four, actually. But the one reading the suspension of all the rights is indeed a crier played by Mark Hildreth. Groves is played, as we said last time, by Greg Ellis. But Mark Hildreth, I mean, now that we're forced to eat some crow, four and 20 blackbirds, maybe. Kind of, they're all black. Corvid kind of things, right? In the cartoon, they were never dead, though. That's true. They were always alive. They They were always alive. Come on, you can't have... In the cartoons, you can't have dead animals. Except if it's Disney, then you can have dead animals. Anyways, yeah. I don't want to go down a rabbit hole of things that are uh, that are happening with this guy, Mark Hildreth, the crier, or whatever. 
But he's he's been consistently working since the mid '80s. He's a singer songwriter, voiceover artist, and does a ton of television work. So I just wanted to mention him since we we slighted him last time. Yeah, I just want to at least say what he's been doing. But here's where I'm just like biting at the bit. I got a problem. I mean, we started things off with a bit of positivity. You know, Roger really bringing things home for us. But I got a feeling here that more cowbell is not what we need here. More cowbell, not what we need. And I'm ready for, uh, you know, the hatred. Good, good. You know, I'm kind of giving in to the hate here. Because I think this song is completely out of place in At World's End. Hoist the colors. Yeah, that's my that's my bomb figure? dropping. In the Pirates of the Caribbean franchise, hoist the colors need not apply, Okay. Now, I say that not so much about the song itself. Maybe, I mean, because it has a kind of a dreary pirate empowerment feel to it, okay? It has that for sure. It's the placement of it. What the hell is going on here with this song? I mean, maybe it's the idea that all these pirate associates, accomplices, whatever you want to call them, pirates themselves... I mean, they're being marched to their deaths. And they whip up a musical number? Are you kidding me? A musical number? Yeah, really? a musical number is how I see no. this. No. Yes. They're not dancing. Yes, there's dancing. No. Pirates of the Caribbean is they not a musical. They a little. That's a dance. That's not dancing. In fact, I believe it is dancing no. because there's even musicals Musical. called Stomp. Really? And things that are on stage in Las Vegas. Yes, you can't take no. that away from me. It's a musical moment. If this were the greatest showman... A story about Blackbeard, for instance. Okay. Or Les Miserables, the tragedy of the singing cabin boy. Then okay. Alrighty then. We can have some music. Throw in Hoist the Colors. Let's just throw it in there. Which is the name of the song, by the way, is how they were saying Hoist the Colors. But, oh, mind you, and you already said that it was written by Terry Rossio and Ted Elliott. The writers also had some help from Gore Verbinski. I'm kind of taking my... parentheses here while I fill this in and maybe calm my heart rate down a little bit so I don't fall over and die. But what I'm trying to get at is this is so choreographed and staged that I'm completely removed from the somber cold opening sequence here. Really? Yes. I think it's totally fitting. It bothers me. No, I think it's fitting. You think it's fitting? It's like the men working on the railroad and singing that song. Men working on the railroad. Yes, that is... Okay, okay. It's, yes, it's like that's that. a song that they needed because it actually had timing capabilities when they're knocking those, what the hell are they? Now I've completely forgot all my railroad jargon. <laughs> spikes, there we go. Spikes into the rail, you know, clamping yeah. down the rails and all that. That was how they kept things going. It was a work song, just like there's been other work songs. This is not a work song. This is no... Yeah, but this is Snow calling... White and the Seven Drawer... Drawers? Yeah, the Snow White and the Seven Drawers. It's where she kept all her belongings. She needed seven drawers. And then the dwarfs came along. This but is, they're, what? They're calling the brethren. I know they're calling the brethren. I understand. This what... is how the movie starts. This is what needs to happen. That's why it's a shame that I gotta slap this buddy down right when we start in minute three. Here's what semi saves it for me. And I say semi. I'm going to stress the semi. 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 Whatever. It is the cold open. It's kind of before the title sequence, right? Before the title card. So I have an easier time deluding myself. And I have to say this. I'm deluding myself into pretending this was not fully part of the movie. Okay? I can kind of shove it off to the side. And then my number two point, 
is the C number one. It's like a fight club scenario. There's only one rule here. And I say, <laughs> I'm deluding myself if I think this song fits in here. Because if Verbinski asked me to armchair quarterback the beginning of At World's End, which I'm happy to do, by the way, even 15 years later, I would explore not having the song at all. That's A on my list, okay? You want something powerful? Here's what I got. Here's what I would do to achieve like the same thing that propels the plot forward with the Brethren Court, you know, calling them into action, summoning it, okay? I'd have Groves. Not the crier, so don't even give me that. I'd have Groves on the gallows, right? He's there, kind of off to the side or whatever. He's with the executioner, okay? Let's just say that they're paired up. They're, they got like the buddy system going on here, okay. right? And he's going to ask them if any of them want to tell Beckett or them where's the secret location, okay? Where is it? What are we looking for? They can, you know, point it out to us. Tell us where it is. If there's no answer... Then we get the cut to the crier reading off the next suspension of rights. The executioner pulls the lever and collects his new shoes. Okay, that's the process. But on the last group to ascend the gallows here, the stairs, right? Yeah. Groves asks a question and it is not the boy who gives up the goods, but a fellow adult dude next to him that decides to talk. He decides he's going to snitch. He's going to sink the Jolly Mon, okay, of the information here. Now, you can either end it where here, like at this point, where the boy is the bigger man than the actual adult man there, adhering to the pirate code. That brings, like, power to the little dude, right? Mm -hmm. It kind of is a full circle back to Elizabeth Swan at the beginning of Curse of the Black Pearl singing a song, okay? But adhering to the pirate code... But when the snitch starts to speak, the boy then starts to sing this song alone. And I'm stressing alone. I don't know if I need to all cap this finger quoted the or whatever. Strong, the song was stronger with everybody no, singing it. Yes. No. Yes. Boo. Get out of here. I'm going to have to exercise the pirate king right to excommunicate okay. you from the room. What about Elf? Oh, wait, wait. L let me finish this. He's steadfast. The boy, the cabin boy, noosed up, strung up cabin boy is steadfast in his beliefs and loyalty. That's the power moment. Everyone singing and finger-quoting dancing, stomping it out here. I don't buy it. Krakens, yes. Cursed Gold, yes. Skeleton Pirates, yes. Group Gallo singing? Get that out of my Pirates of the Caribbean. Unless you're in a pub. Maybe that's more appropriate. Really? Yeah. What do you got? What What are you bringing to the table here? I'm saying... You changed my mind. It made it stronger. With really? everyone singing, it made it stronger. You had that, that weak little voice of that little boy. Wouldn't be strong enough for what it needs to do. It needs to do. It, what it needs to do. It was strong it's enough. It's waking the brethren. It was strong enough in the beginning for Elizabeth to have that lone voice. Now, if the boy had that, because it's not yeah, the... Yeah, but there was already magical but it's not stuff the going power, on right there. It's not the power of all the people. It should have been the passion and power of the one. That... Really? Yes. No. That makes the difference in the movie. If that kid had set all this in motion, like Elizabeth set everything in motion for the first movie... If he had set that in motion, that had been such a, a bookend, comeback, callback, whatever you want to call it, and the power behind it that he's dying and gives his 
life that he's about to to lose more meaning than everybody singing it because he was the one who was steadfast. But having everybody sing it, they're all giving their life for this. Yeah, but that's one my thing. Point. It by by doing that though, we got ourselves a damn musical number here. Really? They're stomping their feet a and musical. they're all singing together. A musical. Yes, I call it so a musical. You're it, calling Elf started, a musical. Elf is not a musical. But everybody's joining in and That's they're all singing. Part of the whole thing. She's singing in the shower. He's there. He's okay. creeping it out. So? That's different. Elf is a musical? No, Elf's not a musical. Oh, well, wait, Adam's musical? family. Elf has musical components. But this is chore- There's Why no can't chore- this have musical? There's no choreographed stuff in it. Okay, okay. Okay, well. Adam's family. Adam's family. Really? Adam's family? Yeah. That whole song is part of Adam's family lore. The Mumunshka? However you say it. When well, that's part of his whole shtick. Gomez, that's his shtick. Gomez and his brother dancing and doing the Mumunshka. That's their whole shtick. The Adams family are weird. I'm going to say kooky probably too. They're mysterious. They got all kinds of things going on. Listen to the song and you will find out why that's appropriate. Mysterious and kooky all together. Ooky. whatever the hell it is. The Adams family. It says Yeah, it right but it's there. still a choreographed song. For them, that's okay. I'm talking pirates. What about Beetlejuice with Dale? That's choreographed. That's, you have no clue on movies. No. Really. That that's not a musical. It has mu- musical elements to it, but that's part of some of the So stuff. does this movie. This has a bunch Just of- Just because it's got a musical elements, you're calling it a musical. Okay. Ferris Bueller? Yeah, he sang. He lip synced basically, but he supposedly sang the Beatles. Now- I can't let it go. I mean, it feels like I'm starting a musical, literally. But then after the title card, we get back to a regular movie. There's no other singing except for, well, okay, we can't go to some of these points. But it's a lone person singing in kind of a humming, just off the top of their head part of a character moment. This is actually like a choreographed thing that's happening. We're cutting to other people. They're all doing the same moves. And and that's where I come up with it. And it's vaguely, being that you're you're bringing this other stuff up, reminiscent of a scene from Red Dawn. And, it's, and that's the, the cool 80s flick that America gets invaded, right? And there's been a recent remake where the commie invaders are about to execute some town folk and they start singing America the Beautiful to show their solidarity and patriotism. And I guess that there could be a similar argument there. But the problem is the choreography. Again... On the singing and the dance moves that sparked the disconnect. If it had more of a spontaneous feel, maybe I wouldn't be so bothered. Because it works in Red Dawn when they're like a patriotic moment there and they're about to die. This, loosely patriotic to the Pirate's Code, okay? But why the choreography? They're not dancing, they're walking to their death. They're just making more of a stomp there. I I can't, I can't buy it. They're walking to their death. They're not, they're going there, the next one's up. So they're walking up to the gallow. No, but they're stomping, they're stomping down there. So they're, they're stomping. They're stomping and swaying and kind of grooving to the... They're not grooving. Grooving to the shanty. No. Yeah. They're just they walking. Are. Really? They're moving their arms and they're stomping their feet How dare you try to claim that this is not something that could be seen in The Greatest Showman, Les Miserables, or something like that. No. Oh, yeah. It is. No. I'm, I can see I'm not going to win this battle. You won't. So... 
I'm going to have to say. I like it. We're going to have to disagree. I didn't say that you didn't like it. And I don't I'm say that saying you can't. I like it and I think it's strong. <laughs> I, I can already see that I'm going to be blasted by listeners and in the Facebook group Please. and everything else. But I'm just saying I presented a stronger armchair quarterback proposition no. that I thought no. could the kid's got a tiny little voice, and it wouldn't be as strong It's as... not about the strength. It's about the passion and the power behind it. And no. he had the power of steadfastness. He had the power to get everybody else singing. Then why just... Why don't they all start mumbling? Why does it have to be so choreographed? That's my beef with it. They're walking. I'm going to start... That's If that's walking, then I want you to walk like that all the time. <laughs> From now on, you have to stomp walk wherever you go to the beat of... Hoist the colors. <laughs> I want the head movement. The I don't think they had a head movement. Oh, we're rewatching it. Now, with that said, I think the song is fantastic. I'm going to say that. It fits well with the somber mood, this incredibly somber mood. I mean, come on. Children on the Gallows. It's the stuff of movie legends. Thank you, Disney. I didn't think we'd ever see Children on the Gallows. <laughs> so, for that, I'm thankful. And I like Hoist the Colors for that reason. But for the song in this particular spot and the way it's done, I think it loses its power. I give it a thumb down really? for placement and I give it a thumbs up for the song itself and the mood it strikes. There you go. I mean, because it is a rather unique song. I mean, it has those familiar elements we all want in a shanty. I mean, in addition to the lyrics that we talked about, it was uh, Hans Zimmer who set it to music. Every one of those verses tells the story of Davy Jones and Calypso. That's another sweet spot. Yeah. That's pretty cool. It kind of plays into the whole Legends thing, like with the Blackbeard Crow kind of thing. It also has the meaning Hoist the Colors is raising the flag. So there's a lot of meaning with them singing that song and assembling the Brethren Court, which we don't kind of, actually, we don't really know about at this time. No, so we don't. we shouldn't be saying that. But raising the flag, they're going into, pirates going into battle. Just as they're about to strike, they raise their colors. Um, so... That has a good kind of name, feel, how it's used, all that kind of good stuff I liked. Um, it's the opposite of striking the colors when you take the flag down. And it's completely different, I should say, from strike a pose or striking a pose, which is all about Vogue. So if you wanted to Vogue, <laughs> now that's an appropriate place for a song. The music video Vogue. There you go. Urban Dictionary also has an entirely different meaning for the phrase hoist the colors. So when a girl and a guy break up, or a girl and a guy, or a girl... Or guys, I should say, breaks up with someone. Let's just say that. And they go out looking for a rebound. They hoist the colors and inform you of their single status. Oh, really? Yeah. So all these single people. See, we are disconnected from the single verse right now. But right now? now from, Wait a minute. What? Right now? From, now we are. You said right now, though. Well, after this, who knows what the hell's going to happen with the the disconnect that we're now having. Right now, you got plans, buddy? I may after the hoist the colors incident that we're seeing here. Because what I was going to say is, most singles now have these tiny little Jolly Rogers flags on their shoulders <laughs> that they have to scroll up when they're out at the club. That's how people know that they're single. It's like a you know Facebook status thing. I see. Which I've never actually used. No, status. I don't think I have either. There we go. That's how disconnected we are. Yeah. And that's for people to go, yeah, Scott really doesn't use social media, does he? Because he's never even used that. So that's just for everybody out there. We are brought to you this week by Urban Bird Foundation. Start conserving birds in your community today at urbanbird.org shop. Make a symbolic owl adoption for yourself or a friend and help grassroots bird conservation and wildlife rescues. 
I know many of you are wondering just why in the Blooming Cockroaches I'm talking about Urban Bird Foundation on a show about Pirates of the Caribbean. But come on, have you seen what Cotton's parrot has gone through? Chased by cannibals, weathered the kraken, avoided cannon explosions, and even miraculously survived a trip back underwater from Davy Jones's locker. Clearly, Pirates of the Caribbean needs some bird love. You can give birds a helping hand, mateys. You know you can't have a Disney pirate without a bird. So save a pirate by saving birds at urbanbird.org shop. Urban Bird Foundation. Birds. People. Communities. After my Pirates of the Caribbean meets Pirates of Penzance. Penzance? Penzance. Penzance. Pirates of Penzance. See, got me all messed up. But everything's a bit too positive for my liking at the moment. So I thought. What? Yeah. Positive? Yeah, it's positive. What's we ended positive? on a positive note with the I like the song thing. Okay, that's positive. But I got used to the negativity that I started with in the, the beginner part of the show with the hoist of colors. It was, it was really negative. I don't like really it. Really negative? Yeah. I but like I thought it. I would mention again the elephant in the room. Where? Like, that's true. You're going to see it here. Children hanging from the noose. Nothing says, spare the rod and spoil the child like a good old juvenile hanging. That right there is the stuff of legends. And if you want to end the day on a happy thought, I suggest avoiding the internet topic of juvenile hangings. Yeah, no, that's, yeah. But I, for one, who like to meddle in the macabre and end my day on a pessimistic note, I went to the internet and did that very thing. Seriously? I did. You see, they had to put a barrel down to, probably a rum barrel. He had to put a barrel down. He had to lift the kid up. I have some stuff on that. But I did find a bit of info on the subject while, uh, you know, rummaging around the history of Britain. Because it's kind of a British influence. To hang children? Well, oh, oh yeah. So, I appreciate how they downplayed the seriousness of this whole thing by calling it the art of hanging. Thank you, history of Britain, okay? The art of hanging. I think we have that book on our shelf oh, as I was practicing God. stuff. But anyways, I feel like I should be sipping from a glass of red wine and adjusting my monocle as I peruse the art of hanging. You know, my my, my coffee table book, The Art of Hanging. Was it color pictures? <laughs> no, it wasn't color pictures because these were from the, the days before picture photographs, as you would call oh, them. Okay. So drawings, nice drawings. Okay. One example I found occurred on my... So, yeah. I'm bringing some examples to the table. I'm not going to stew in my own juices. I thought, hey, happiness is something to share with people. So one example I found occurred on May 12th of March 1716 when Williams Jennings was hanged at Tyburn for housebreaking. I'm breaking and entering probably. Mm -hmm. His age was reported as just 12 in the newspaper of the time. But there is no official report to corroborate this. So yeah, 12. Boom. Breaking and entering. What about Juvie? I mean, come on. Uh, he got Juvie. Juvenile hanging. <laughs> what about talking to his parents and saying, hey. Hey, do you want to spare the rod God. and spoil this child? Or do you want to just hang the little guy? <laughs> let's let's teach him a lesson first. Yeah. They taught him a lesson. To hang him? There's only one rule <laughs> in Fight Club. <laughs> Don't <laughs> talk about Fight Club. Some books... And this is what I was reading. Some books convey the impression that a large number of children were hanged for minor crimes such as theft during the 18th and 19th centuries. But the surviving records actually don't really support a lot of this. However, the laws at the time did not accept 
And this is the key here. The laws at the time did not accept the concept that children and teenagers did not know the difference between right and wrong or their actions. And therefore, the age of criminal responsibility, basically, was just seven years old. Seriously? Yes. So there was no such thing as they didn't know the right from wrong. They didn't know the ramifications of their actions. If you were seven, you're criminally responsible. So there was also this kind of a strong presumption against those who committed murder for gain, uh, murder by poisoning or other brutal murders, which I found evidence that kids were, you know, it's, it's not no, and no different than today. You know, kids kill people sometimes. It just seemed a lot more when you have them all listed and piled up there yeah. as opposed to like spread out through history and all these other countries or well, Britain anyway, spread out through the UK. So you're like, my God, there's a lot of children murderers. But, you know, it's, it's like I said, it's kind of compressed there. But anyways, mandatory death sentences had to be passed on. So they had to have they had to give death sentences to those between seven and 13 years old convicted of felonies. But oftentimes those were commuted by judges like, OK, come on. We got to try something else here. Yeah. Girls were typically hanged only for the most serious crimes, whereas teenage boys were executed for a wider range of felonies. From the lists that I saw, I didn't get that impression. But that's kind of what was oh, really? being reported here. Yeah, it was all kinds of stuff. And I read this one account in which the ages at the time were being reported as 7 and 11 for a brother and sister who were hanged. But further research at the time and loosely after that suggests they were almost certainly 17 years old and 20 years old. But here's the thing that was being reported like directly after this incident when they people thought, oh, my God, they were 7 and 11, you know. Yeah. Because it was like all centered around the like the story of their very young ages. And this kind of sparked tales that there was a violent thunder and lightning storm that right after the execution. So it's like, boom, thunder and lightning as soon as they are executed. And that their hangman, whose name was Anthony Smythe, or Smith, actually there's no E on the end, Smith, died within a fortnight of the hanging. Seriously? So, so it just like, like compounded this tale, like, oh my God, there was thunder and lightning when they were hanged, and then the hangman died! <laughs> so people started getting a little spooked, obviously. And probably the youngest child executed in England was John Dean, who was convicted of arson at Abingdon Assizes on the 23rd of February, 1629. So this is... 17th century his age is given in the annals of windsor as between eight and nine years old and he had set fire to two houses in windsor it would appear that the judge though mr justice justice <laughs> <laughs> it's like the rum is catching up with me <laughs> mr justice whitelock found evidence of malice revenge and cunning and therefore did not recommend a reprieve for the boy so hung until dead God. hanged by the neck until dead there you go at eight years old yeah Jeez. And then uh, during the 18th century, the number of crimes that were punishable by hanging rose to over 200. So there were 200 types of crimes crimes that you could be hanged for. Seriously? Yeah. And so executions started to decrease so rapidly when kind of the turn of the century, uh, 1800s, okay? Yeah. For both like children, adults, and, you know, juvenile types. And then after 1838 is actually when this started to really transpire. So by 1838, you started to see like, oh, let's, do we really need 200 of these? And then the number of capital crimes was reduced and public attitudes started to change. Huh. So it's like, do we really need bread stealing, you know, kind of thing yeah. on, on the, let's the say, hanging hang list? bastards. Yeah. yeah. So uh, all I can say to them back in the 18th or 17th, 18th and 19th century well, bless their old school hearts. <laughs> I mean, come it's on. horrible. I feel, 
I feel like we almost need some transition music after that stroll down the art of hanging lane there. That we do. I only blame Disney and Verbinski for bringing us full-on hanging scenes A hanging here. child. Yeah, what else in the hell am I supposed to talk about? I don't think I've seen any other kids in line. I think that was the only They child. didn't really show this one in line until he walks the yeah. steps, but uh, yeah, I'll talk about that in a second. And I don't know if I mentioned this the last time. I mean, I was really focused on the feet thing, you know? Yeah. I, it's like the hangings here. You know, once I get laser focused, then, then that's the rabbit hole I go down. Last time it was feet. This time is, again, child hangings. For lack of a better word. Oh, there is a better word. It's the art of hanging. Thanks, UK the art of history. But I love the wide shots in these opening minutes. And it's not just so I could get a you know a view of all eight people hanging out one time. It's, <laughs> it's only seven. It's, oh, seven. Yeah, that's right. Seven. Unless you're talking about the executioner. See, now I'm disappointed because I really had my heart set on eight people dying at no, one time. No, it was seven, it is seven. Yeah, at a time. Yeah. So... In general, I just like the wide shot. I think it actually has... Because the width alone highlights the magnitude of what's happening here. It's like visually stunning. Yeah. Not from a macabre sort of way. It's just to see all of that lined up, it's... Yeah. Yeah. There we go. It's pretty... You know, it lends itself well to the opening somberness of... uh, The song? Hoist the Colors, you know, that song that was in the... What was that musical called? Pirates of Penzance? Uh, oh, no. Oh, Pirates of the Caribbean. The famed musical, Pirates of the Caribbean. Our musical. Soon to be on Broadway here. <laughs> I, I do think it's, like I said, visually stunning. The cabin boy who starts singing belts it out there. Yeah, he does Does a belt. little jig on the no, barrel, if I recall either. correctly. Portrayed by Brendan Bell. I didn't want to leave him out since he's the main instigator causing the issue... For Beckett, you know, he's he's putting a thorn in Beckett's With side. Beckett's smile, I'm not sure he was instigating. Oh, well. I don't think it was a thorn. In, I think it's what the Beckett whole wanted, thing. but he, I'm not sure. Yeah, he's, he's got to get stuff going. So for them to go on this long, maybe it was more of a thorn in their side because they waited so long. Maybe they should have started singing earlier. Yeah. Like, shouldn't some of us start singing right away? No, they waited. Took a kid to, to bring that well, to light. kids... So you're right. The kid almost could have done this by himself no. if he had the power. Anyways, because we're not reliving that whole moment. Brendan, our cabin boy. Yes. I mean, this is where we get the shock on top of the shock moment here in this in this minute. Not only the hanging, but because we of don't the really child. see him hanging. We see the noose around his neck, which can be pretty sh- impactful. It's already an impactful scene, just the way it is in yeah. the first few minutes. But it, it's a build up to this point because. The last person to walk up the stairs and kind of crest the top of the gallows or the where you can see him come over is this little kid, this child. That's the moment I think Verbinski wants us to stop and think. This isn't so much about pirates getting justice or justice served to them. There's a freaking kid in the mix now. And that's the overboard display, I think, that completely nails the coffin door shut on Beckett here. Because that takes him from, okay, he's just a bastard hanging all these pirate accomplices and pirates and was, people helping pirates it was bad enough he ha- was hanging the women yeah then you see the child up there well hey there's no there's no discrimination here i just read you the stuff we just talked well, about yeah it. i know i'm just saying ages are not these people are 
you know, Brutal? considered criminals if, to some degree because they're harboring pirates or working with pirates and or are pirates, whatever the list that he decided to come up with. And obviously by them all knowing the song, I think he had the nail on the head there because random Joe operating blacksmith shop probably doesn't go around singing hoist the colors. So you don't pr- think I, I'm pretty sure. So I think he actually rounded up the usual suspects that he was supposed to. It's just like I said, the feel is, okay, maybe he's just, it, it's already disturbing. You know, I think we, we have it in for Beckett anyways, is just from the previous movie. And we don't want to see pirates die in a movie that glorifies pirates. I mean, hey, there we go. Well, they are in Port Royal, where, which was a pirate, pirate capital hub. of the world, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, maybe they all know the song. Well, they're all pirates Not- for, for these ones that seem to be in line. But my point is, when the kid is next in line... That shows us who Beckett really is. He's drunk on power. Nothing is sacred. Plus, we get a great sound effect of the barrel, the chain. It just like kind of cr- breaks that relative silence before the singing and everything starts. It, that is the great filmmaking. It's the the cinematography, the, the sound of the everybody the singing effects. I'm sorry. What did you say? <laughs> Here's another thing that I I love about this scene that's not involved singing or. Um, those kinds of things. Or only that thing. Beckett really is a bastard. I mean, or maybe it was the English. Whoever. Whoever was, was running Beckett. Whoever was running the show when the gallows were built really did intend for some kind of mass execution. Oh, here. yeah. So I think they were built just for this. Are you sure? Because here's my point. Okay. This isn't freshly cut wood. This is weathered. The gallows have been around for a while. If you look at that wood, eh, it's been there. That's not brand new. We just constructed this for a good old-fashioned hanging. But isn't that the same place they were doing Norrington's... Well, yeah. So that's what I'm saying. Thing, and that wasn't oh, maybe there it at is that the point same, in time. It was the same gallows. So it would have been the British then Yeah, that constructed this. The British were the ones. Unless this is separate from the British gallows because Beckett wanted a large... I'm trying to think. I don't remember. I, shoot, I can't remember how many... Hangings were happening there. What's the gallows look like? I need to revisit Curse oh, of the Black Pearl. Yeah, Pearl. I don't Take quite a look remember. at that. Anyways, unless he's like using reclaimed wood or whatever, you know, which I doubt. The executioner has been like basking in shoe money for a long time, basically. I imagine that he has a shop down on Main Street selling used shoes. Oh, probably. That's how much shoes action he has. But uh, eight of them, or seven-seater. A seven-seater. Seven-seater. That, uh... That's a lot, though. You must have really been traipsing out the the peeps the British have, if that's indeed the gallows they were using. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I was just wondering. I mean, how many are you having on a regular basis that you need uh, to have seven-seater in Port Royal? Are you saving them up? Like, Maybe. Oh, man, we're, we're waiting for one more, and then we can do drop you guys all at the same time. Maybe. Maybe, yeah. It's possible. I did Because find- then they can plan it, and everybody can come out to see the... Hanging. You to know. see the show? Yeah. Yeah. Nothing you know, the that I'd rather do on a night or weekend than see a child hang. <laughs> kind of something that <laughs> I'd like to go out and see. What is wrong with those people? People! People of the 18th century. I don't want to see anybody hung, let alone oh, a kid. My God. Hey, they didn't have Netflix back then. That's the closest <laughs> yeah, they could get. They have TV. Juvenile hangs. Yeah. Hey, when they zoom into the singing cabin boy yeah you see the guards behind him on the wall they look like they're standing oh, they do look oh, or they're like, like a floating on the wall like they're toy soldiers stuck to the wall yeah right yeah it's 
kind of interesting. I mean, I think they're on the steps, but... Oh, when you mentioned the zooming in, though, you do see... The one thing that I did catch, and maybe because I was watching it from my computer where I was really kind of fairly close up, you definitely see braces on that kid. I know oh, yeah. I know you it's made to look dirty, and yeah. I don't I don't want to bring well, up... There's a couple of caps. things. But it just looks like braces, and yeah. I don't want to bring up other errors because I saw another error, but we don't like to bring those up, no. so I'll just let it slide. If you wanted, to, if you want to know exactly what it was, you can ask me in the Years into the future, pirates will prevail. Finally, we've conquered death. All our worries gone. Every night, our souls won't rest till the break of dawn. And the ship sails on back into beyond, over again. When I sing the song, this my home. Until the end, centuries across the sea is not enough for me. All I want is to be free and hail Captain Blood on and on eternally. With a life of piracy, hail the curse of Gilmecki and hail Captain Blood. But what I was saying is that, and why I keep going back to eight seats on this gallo thing, is because there were, when I was perusing the, you know, just my hanging stuff on the internet. There actually were gallows that were eight-seaters, if you want to call I don't know why I'm calling them eight-seaters. It's like you're going to the theater. <laughs> you know, it's not like they're sitting down. Uh, maybe that would have been nicer, though. You could get in a nice lounge chair. Kick and then back they the drop nice... the lounge chair from underneath you? Yeah, and you, you all go down. I don't know. I'm just thinking more comfortable for them. Oh, okay. But anyways, eight, there was some eight spotters, we'll call them eight spotters, that I found that was happening there. There was also a report and a drawing that showed this huge structure created for hangings that actually set a record. On December 26, 1862, in the U.S., 38 Sioux Native American men were hanged in the largest mass execution in the history of the United States. Jeez, yeah. seriously? Yeah, and I need to check more about what the hell's going on with this. But as usual, when it comes to Native Americans at the time, it appears many of these guys were innocent and had to do... Yeah, so um, there was some war thing. You know, yeah. It may have been part of the Civil War or something. I, I need to check into that. It's but ugly. It was, you know, after spending all that time going over hangings, I was like, do I really need to feel even worse about myself at this point? The answer is usually yes. But I chose to actually go, maybe I should just call it quits here so people in the audience weren't going, what in the hell is going on here today? He's got pirate music, and then all of a sudden, the rest of the damn show is about uh, death, which is not uncommon for me. But there you go. So yeah, mass, ha mass hangings, not something that's just relegated to Disney. There you go. Disney, known for the hangings. I do have a couple little things. I wanted to point out the piece of eight that the little boy has, the cabin boy has in his hand. Yeah. You know, he's kind of twiddling uh -huh. it around before he starts singing. Yeah. He starts twiddling it around like it's a little, um, what else he's called? It's his little fidget spinner of the time. Mm. I like a pieces of eight fidget spinner. <laughs> and also one more thing. When everybody starts singing... Well, wouldn't you be nervous if you were standing up there? I'd be twiddling whatever I had. Well, of course. Yeah, definitely would be. I'm just planning my own. So, yeah. Okay, there you go. So, when everybody starts singing, everybody uh -huh. and doing their stomp like you, they're dancing as you call it. Thank you for acknowledging that. They're not dancing. They're stomping as they're walking. Um, The guards start to kind of look around and then they all back off. Well, wouldn't you? Like the prisoners are going to attack. They should have attacked. Well, they should have, but... What do you have, have to guns. lose at that point? That's There's true. a whole bunch of you just storm the guards. Yeah. That song should have been 
a code for everybody to move left or right in unison since they're all chain gang together. That way no idiot is going the wrong direction and holding people up. But if you all just ran at them, you'd have won. That would have been a good idea. That, thank you. I'm armchair quarterback Scott Artis for the At World's End. But, but then you're all chained together. Hey, I'd rather be chained together and laying down a brutal beating to some of those guards than just quietly walking up to the noose. Yeah. Go out in a blaze of glory as far as I'm concerned. You could actually take that line of people and kind of swing it around. And <laughs> now you want <laughs> Wow. Now you want people on the end to be like some kind of swinging mace or something like that. Well. Ball and chain. There you go. The keys are feet and just kind of. There's a lot of feet going on. We don't need more feet actually in this, in this opener. <laughs> what the hell happened? I mean, every time I tried to go down a different road. We end up back in the, the noose or, or brutalizing someone with a ball and chain or using people as weapons by swinging them around. I mean, I took a perfectly good two minutes of Pirates of the Caribbean that revolved around simple hangings of kids. And I talked about hangings okay. for most of the episode. That's weird and strange. I don't even know yeah. what to say about that. And I'm a little worried that it's more hangings on the next episode. I hope I'll keep that to a minimum. That's my goal. I can keep the hanging to a minimum. I think we just get a little bit yeah. hanging action. But that's for next time. I'll just I'll just kind of leave it there. I don't know. Do you have anything other than hangings left? No. All my stuff was hanging. Except for it Roger. Was, except, he was the, no, except complaining about the sound. But the bright spot was the song brought to you by Roger, not Pirates of the Caribbean. Voice the Colors. I'm talking about dead. Again, talking dead. Thanks for listening, Scallywags. We're found all over the podcatcher world, from Apple Podcasts to iHeartRadio. You want to avoid a good old keel haul? Perhaps you can leave us a positive review. It's always good to hear from everyone, and reviews help us grow the show. Plus, we greatly appreciate it there, ladies. Have a question or comment? Give us a call at 8637-PIRATE. We just might play your voicemail on the show. You can also give us a shout at podcast at blackpearlshow.com. And don't forget to give us a like on Facebook. All the links are at theblackpearlshow.com. It is that freaking easy. I say it all the time. And of course, you know what we're doing here. We're delivering Pirates of the Caribbean info to the masses as the dirty, freaking, filthy bilge rats we are. We're analyzing, scrutinizing, and plundering those blockbuster pirate films. Until then, scallywags, let's keep the horns swoggling to a minimum, the scurvy to yourself, and come on, let's avoid this weekend's juvenile public hangings. Please. That's just a, a, a public service announcement to avoid juvenile hangings. Avoid the hangings all together. Oh, all of them. Yeah. Well, come on. Then what, what the hell are we going to do? The across the sea is not enough for me. All I want is to be free and hail Captain Blood. On and on eternally. What life of piracy. Hail the curse of Gilmanky and hail Captain Blood. Hail Captain Blood. Listening to the Black Pearl Show, and we appreciate it, Scallywags. Pirates don't need no stinking disclaimers, but just for fun, I think all you dirty, filthy bilge know that Disney and Bruckheimer Films have no affiliation with us at all, and we have none with those blooming cockroaches. We talk about Pirates of the Caribbean, which is their property, and all that other fun stuff. But I think it's obvious what's ours and what's theirs. There's no need to blur the lines or stir up a bloody rum-filled sweat. As for the music, that's with permission or license under Creative Commons. So let's give a shout out to Six Nail Coffin, Tommy Wynn, and to the incredible pirate band Black Bones. The rest, well, that's just me. Oh, 
and maybe Heather. This is a Shout Reach Media Production.